0: What is the secret to health and human flourishing, to living a life in the fullness of what you could be? What if this whole time, who you were meant to be was already within you, waiting to arise, waiting to expand? Each and every one of us is made to bloom, and each of us together can brighten the whole world. I'm Sarah Walters, and I welcome you to Bloom, Hello friends! Glad to have you here with me today to talk about something that is a bit mm, taboo and forbidden. Luckily, I'm very comfortable with those kinds of conversations and topics, being a therapist and all, so there's really not much that shocks me anymore. In fact, relative to what I'm usually discussing with people, I think at times I've lost my sense of what's too personal and light social conversations I sometimes wonder if people are scared of me and when they see me coming they think oh my gosh run away here comes Sarah she's gonna start asking you super personal things all the while I don't even recognize it I'm like what what's wrong with asking you about your deepest fears here at this baby shower like I don't I don't get it <laughs> so yeah it just comes with the, ther- the territory but I'm just gonna take advantage of that willingness to talk about awkward things in this episode. We're going to talk about why you might still be thinking about your ex from high school or college. And we're even going to expand the discussion to why you might be even thinking about someone else besides your spouse. Or maybe you aren't thinking about an ex or someone else, but want to know why someone would. And as always, I want to give you a different perspective, a different way to see this, So that you can get out of the shame and the harsh judgment that so often pops up when we see this stuff in ourselves. So first, I'll give you a new way to see what's happening if you find yourself fantasizing about another person. And then, I'm going to give you two pointers for just what to do about it. You might be wondering how this whole idea came up to even do a podcast on thinking about an ex. So this came up because the other night I was talking to some of my girlfriends and I'm not quite sure how, but it was mentioned that some of us would still find ourselves thinking about a high school ex and wondering what they were doing now and what life might be like if that relationship had worked out. And weave throughout this conversation was this sense of, uh, maybe something's wrong with me or my marriage. If I'm thinking about this. And I immediately had this strong response that just said, no, nothing is wrong with you. You are normal. And I started thinking more about how this is something that a lot of people think about and yet they don't really discuss. In fact, I run into this all the time in session with clients, a conversation about fantasizing about exes or even other people besides who you're committed to in a marriage tends to lie in the shadows of our consciousness. It happens all the time, but people tend to deny that it is. So I'm going to pause there and say that if you found yourself thinking about an ex, I want you to know that there is a function to that. You're not crazy or messed up or bad. There is a reason for everything. And so... Let's turn the lights on this whole thing. What's happening? Let's first start with why you might be thinking about an ex from your early years. So here's a little brain science for your noggin about teenagers. I'm pulling this information I'm about to tell you from Dr. Dan Siegel's work, who's a professor of psychiatry and neuroscience. He wrote a book about what happens in teenage brains. It's called Brainstorm, if you're interested in checking it out. But what he says through his research is that during the adolescent years, which are ages 10 to 19, there are these major brain changes that happen throughout this time. The brain sort of goes through a second overhaul, similar to that initial brain wiring stage that we all have as humans when we're born to the age of five. And this second overhaul of the brain allows this teenager to sort of reinvent themselves in order to become more independent and to find a new identity as an adult after having formed a sense of self in being a child. So the brain has this major growth of synapses and time of synaptic pruning, which leads to teenagers experiencing life in much, much more intense ways. So brain scans show that teens have higher highs and lower lows. So the bad things that happen feel devastating, as if life is over, and the exciting things that happen feel like mountaintop experiences, like the best thing that has ever happened. And some of these positive experiences can feel almost addictive, like a drug would be. And why are certain drugs so addictive? Well, because it takes that person to a peak experience, and once it wears off, it takes them into an equivalently low place, so much so that they want to use again or feel the need to use again just to get out of the hell they might be experiencing. This is why uh, we tend to yo-yo back and forth in relationships. Things get bad, but we miss that addictive experience that we got at the beginning, and so we want it back. And so in some ways, this is what's happening for teenagers. It's the back and forth heaven and hell experiences that tend to make them less stable. So now let's talk about first falling in love. Do you remember the first time you fell in love? The first time you had those intense feelings? It feels so incredible. And not only does this feel amazing, but to a teenager, it's extra amazing. And those types of peak experiences get heavily wired into the brain, making them unforgettable and easy to refer back to even decades after the experience. So here you are at 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, maybe still thinking about that time or that person, wondering where that person is, what life might have been like with them. Maybe you would have been happier with them. And in your mind, by thinking about that person, you're actually accessing and bringing up a very old feeling that feels good in your body, a feeling of that thrill that you might not have had for a while. And while we're talking about why we might still be thinking about exes from adolescence, I actually want to expand this discussion to include anyone who might be fantasizing about someone else other than your current partner. That can be really hard to admit, but the same two pointers I'm about to give you applies to both having fantasies about an ex or having fantasies about someone else that you're not committed to. Fantasies, Are about bringing yourself a mind body experience in the current moment that makes you feel good, that makes you feel alive and excited. Most people have no idea that this is what they're doing because it's just so natural, but that's what's happening. It's the same biochemical rush we get when we think about making a new big purchase or moving to Hawaii or dreaming about a new positive future. It gives us that hit of dopamine that makes us feel happy and hopeful. So here's step one, if you find yourself thinking about other people. Step one, be kind to yourself. Allow yourself to have these these thoughts while recognizing that it's normal. You're a human being, and there's nothing new under the sun, meaning that, that, that there's nothing that you can think of that someone else near you isn't probably thinking as well. So what you want to do is be kind and bring these thoughts to the light and share it with a safe someone. Nobody wins by feeling shame over these kinds of thoughts. Step two, get curious. Ask what these thoughts are trying to do for you. Usually, when thoughts like these come up, we will repress them, and try to cut off from them and act like they don't exist, which is a response to the shame we feel by even having them in the first place. And when we shame ourselves and judge ourselves for what comes up in us, it tends to bury those things in the dark, and then they fester, and they grow stronger. It's similar to a beach ball that you might try to shove underwater. The harder you press it down, the more strongly it wants to pop up. And this is what happens to things that stay in the dark. What's in the dark tends to control us. So when we bring things to the light and work with it from a compassionate place, those thoughts and behaviors lessen in intensity and tend to have less control over you. So you might want to repress it, but you might want to do the opposite and think that these thoughts and fantasies must be a signal that something's wrong with us and our marriages and um, and we pursue that person or fantasy in real life. You might want to do that and indulge whatever that fantasy is and that's a problem and would actually be the most unhelpful thing to do the most surface and immature thing to do because as always these thoughts if you let them will lead you to a trail of something deeper inside of yourself that's wanting to be known and seen or healed so if you find yourself having these thoughts or fantasies rather than indulging or repressing them Here are a few helpful questions you can ask that can help reveal a whole lot about where you can grow. The first question that you can ask yourself is what are these thoughts trying to do for me? What are they trying to pull me closer to or push me away from? Another question you can ask is when I entertain these thoughts, What feelings surface? And now I'd like to talk about four common reasons for why people will fantasize about others besides their partners. So one, it's about the high. Often fantasizing about others romantically is really about giving your nervous system a kickstart, a boost, a little excitement. And what's so fascinating about the body and brain is that where you put your mental attention, um, what you put it towards will actually affect and create changes in your body and present feeling state. So just as you might get sweaty hands, if you were to envision standing on top of the empire state building, you can also feel that rush of dopamine and other feel good chemicals by imagining the first blush romantic encounters with someone new and novel. So some people use fantasy to feel better, to change their physical state from one of dullness to excitement. And so if you're in this category, these fantasies could be an indication that you're feeling stagnant or bored and you're seeking an external source to make you feel alive again, which you could follow that road until those first feelings of excitement wear off. And then you're left in the same position you were in previously Or you can see it as a sign that you need to come alive internally. It's an invitation into growth and expansion, into bringing new life into what's dead or not working anymore. And that, my friends, is an internal job. No one can give that to you or no one can do that work for you. A second reason that you may fantasize about others is about connection. It's born out of a need to feel loved, connected with, appreciated by another. Maybe you're seeking closeness and intimacy that you believe this other person would provide you with. And in this case, this could lead you into really assessing how connected you are with those around you. Are you letting others in? Are you allowing your partner to truly see you? And maybe you're not because your partner doesn't feel safe. And that may mean that it's time for you both to do some work together, to open up communication, to learn to be a safe enough presence to see each other in vulnerable states. Maybe you'd find that part of you is scared to let people in based on your own shame and insecurity. And yet again, that is an inside-out job. Wherever you go, there you are. So you don't need to be anywhere else but right where you are to make the change inside that you are looking for. The third reason you may be fantasizing about others is an effort to avoid pain. These thoughts may be serving a need to believe that somewhere else and paired with someone else, there is a place where you can feel happy and enough and not feel pain. It's like when I have these genius ideas that if I lived in Italy, I would feel so content and I would just be happy forever. <laughs> and while well, I kind of want to hold on to that fantasy because it just feels good in my body and mind to, to think that painlessness is attainable here on earth. I know rationally that I would still get bored and tired and stressed even if I live in such a beautiful and fun place. So my fantasies can be about avoiding some sort of pain or boredom in the present moment. And here again, that work, if you are using fantasies to avoid pain in life, that's an inside out job. And it's about learning to graciously hold both pleasure and pain and to welcome all of it just as it is. The fourth common reason for fantasizing about others is about avoiding taking personal responsibility for your life. I'm going to say that one more time. The fourth reason that we might fantasize about others is about avoiding taking personal responsibility for your life. This happens when you feel powerless to change your life. And believe that someone else coming alongside you could change it for you. The degree to which you feel powerless over your own circumstances might be the degree to which you want desperately to find someone to save you, to be your rescuer. And the belief that some other human being could be your savior and make all things right in the world is the single most disempowering thought you can have. When you operate under this belief, you've given your power away. And so yet again, if this is you, let these fantasies be a beautiful invitation to cultivating your own sense of power and control over your life. Take back your power and find your freedom in learning that you have a say over your life. Regardless of what your reasons are, If you learn to neither push away or indulge your fantasies, but rather bring curiosity to them, you'll find that they lead you to a whole other level of growth and thriving. And actually, getting curious about them will give you more freedom from them. And you're going to hear me say this over and over and over again. We want to welcome everything we find in ourselves no matter how shameful or embarrassing or weird you think it is, all of these things serve as teachers and servants to usher you to greater freedom and flourishing. To end our podcast today, I'd like to recite a poem by the 13th century Persian poet Rumi. It's a poem that, if you heed its wisdom, can change your life. And I know it has mine. It's called The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still, Treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Thank you so much for listening today, friends. As always, be kind and curious.